Hi, everybody. I am Hugh Heisel, Broadway producer, performer, avid show tune listener, future cat dad, theatrical marketer, and current director of marketing for Broadway Records. Welcome to the world behind the world to come. This is a series of docusodes that will explore the world behind the world to come. So if you're listening to this, you probably listened to episode one and episode two, at least. They're fantastic, aren't they? So as in docusode one, we are going to be joined by our illustrious co-creating team. So let's introduce Rachel Klein, Andy Peterson, and Eric Ransom. Hello. 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 Hey, Hugh. Hello. Hello. Future Welcome cat back. dad. Do you have plans to get a cat? I do. I actually, I'm on a list to get a Siamese boy. Ooh. We've always had Siameses in my family from when I was a little kid. And so I have a, a young kitten coming my way in January. Oh. I'm very excited to meet the child. I have to come up with a good name and, and perhaps I'll <laughs> engage you and pay you to come up with a fabulous name. <laughs> my pleasure. Why don't you introduce yourselves and tell the listening audience and those watching us on YouTube, hi, uh, what you contributed to the world to come. I, Eric, am <laughs> the lyric lyricist, scriptwriter, and narrator. Andy Peterson, I'm the composer, orchestrator, and co-creator. I'm Rachel Klein. I'm the director, the showrunner, and a co-creator. Welcome, everybody. In the last docusode, we learned a lot about the recording process. So, Rachel, as you are a seasoned theater director, what was it like to branch into show running? What are the big challenges or, or the big differences between uh, stage directing and show running for a project like this? One of the biggest differences slash similarities is looking at an entire season of 12 episodes, putting on my director brain to think of them individually as episodes. So they're like miniature musicals. And then expanding that and thinking really large picture of how everything flows together for the entirety of the whole season. So a lot of that is working with Eric and Andy on continuity things and making sure, because Eric's making rewrites as we go, Andy's still creating amazing music for some of the later episodes as we go. So there's a lot of conversations still, even though we've aired, um, which is definitely a difference than theater theater you have your opening night and there she's she's locked she's done it's all she wrote and here there's continued evolution happening behind the scenes um continued collaborations as well with the sound team with audio producer mike luno and our sound designer sean haggerty who are coming up with amazing sort of scenic design via sound design if that makes sense so mm -hmm. we're creating kind of panoramic sounds so there's also a lot of back and forth communication continuing to happen once we've already had our opening night, if you will. Have you ever done a show running project like this before? I have not, but I will tell you, my husband is a television editor. He just came off of Martha Stewart. He's working now on a show on Netflix. He's done Bravo, you name it. He he gets around okay. that Sean Gill. <laughs> but just, you know, for being with him for the past 12 years and just hanging out for happy hour drinks with all of his editor and producer friends from the TV world, kind of through osmosis, I knew all of the terminology and I knew what translates to what between theater and TV. Yeah. Like how, if it's a reality TV show, for example, they don't have directors, they have story producers. And then learning what the showrunner does, which is sort of like a hybrid of what a producer would do or like an artistic director of a season at a theater, a not-for-profit theater. So kind of figuring out the equivalence 
of each, then I was able to take my knowledge from the theater world and impart that to this audio series, which we across the board are treating more like it's a, a television series. Was there a task that came as a complete surprise to you that you didn't anticipate? This is going to be now part of your world. There's like, oh, okay, well, all right, let's do that. Oh my gosh. The scheduling slash creating the, the spreadsheets for the more complicated episodes some episodes are very straightforward. It's like we're in one location. We're in Soderbergh for the next 15 pages with these three characters. Easy peasy breezy. But some of them, like the bigger party scenes and the, the production scenes that happen with the shows within the shows that emerge later in the season, there are filmically written scenes. So in that there some scenes themselves are like one page long. Thank you, right. Eric Ransom. So compiling how to navigate how we do that with the actors all together. And they're all recorded together. Wow. For the most part, the actors are recorded together akin to that of a theatrical rehearsal room. And I suppose there could have been an easier way to do that, but it was just so important to us in the wake of the shutdown to keep up the idea of the community, yeah. to make sure that we can still see each other, that the actors have seen partners, even if it means it takes a little bit longer, even if the files are crazy to upload and to edit later. It was important to all of us to continue having the community. That's fantastic. So, Andy and Eric, hi. Hello. Hello. You've created a number of shows over the years, and you have a, a well-honed system of working together. Would you tell our listening audience, what is your process when you create something? Well, this is the first realized project of ours where we have collaborated as lyricist-composer. Andy and I had worked together in other capacities for, for years. In our process, I tend to write lyrics first, to which he writes music, then based on that melody, if it calls for any sort of uh, lyrical shifts, uh, rhythmic changes, that kind of thing, I will send that back. And then we end up with a song. Was there any uh, particular song in episode one or episode two that started in an interesting way and then developed along the way? I mean, I think the opening was the song that changed quite a bit because we were just working on the fly about how the opening was going to set up the world and what was the best way to introduce our audience into the world. So I think there was a lot of back and forth with that. And because it's like an eight minute number, I think. So I would like write a different verse each day and then send it across to Eric to then like redo the lyrics and then he'd send it back and then I'd send it out to the actors. So there was a lot, that one took a lot to assemble and was changing constantly every day, the week that we we're working on it. It is so many different characters in it. And, and there's so many different musical styles, too. So, mm. I mean, thank God for Internet to be able to send <laughs> these enormous files when we can't be together because it, it all has turned into something very, very, very special. Uh, let's talk about the recording process. Has there been a steep learning curve in how you recorded at the beginning when you were doing that first episode versus how things are running now at the, now that you're, you know, completed the episodes or near the end of the season in the production process. Yes. <laughs> in the beginning, you know, we were just, we had never done this. We were walking in blind. You know, we started it out, like I said, theater style. We had several um, table reads on zoom as though we were in a rehearsal room and then when we started recording, there was just troubleshooting because everybody had different equipment. So some actors had voiceover microphones and what have you at their disposal, and some did not. I know last week when we spoke to Carson and his famed blanket fort, I mean, it was precious, but 
the mechanics of what we had to do as we were finding things out and we we're getting some footage in that didn't sound great and we've had to you know come back and redo things a couple of times uh, once we got into the groove of things everybody had their setup their equipment so it wasn't like them be like okay hey mike okay how about if i'm this position hey where do i send the file how do i upload it it was just like smooth sailing once we got into that efficient groove but in the beginning it was certainly a uh, circus of trial and error i would say well, I mean, it all came together, but it must have been, you know, a little hairy, but also exciting to finally find like what exactly is the perfect mix of blankets and forts and microphones and what have you and closet space or or uh, as we're going to learn, hopefully this episode, uh, cribs, <laughs> which I've heard all about, but I can't wait to dive into. <laughs> Andy and Eric, as creators, did you see large changes between when you first started out versus what's happening now as you're ending the series? Yeah, I think. I think on the music front, because we do things a little differently to the dialogue in that the actors are essentially kind of in the moment music directing themselves because they have to make sure that when they're singing along to the guide tracks that I'm sending out, they have to place their consonants in with the exact placement with the guide track. So it was a, a process kind of just to work out how to communicate with the actors to get them to record this, like a performance that we could line up um, all together. Mm -hmm. For me, on the writing end, it's really just been a matter of freeing my mind more and more to this medium where, you know, typically, well, at this point in the first two episodes that we're talking about, that's still the length of a regular musical. We're still in the range of the length of a regular musical. But as we get later into the season, we will surpass Les Mis. I've never been able to write something with, you know, that scope and size. At first, you know, you kind of want to tell too much right away because you're used to having to consolidate things into like a 90 minute piece. In this instance, I can let people have questions for seasons. It's kind of trying to figure out what the audience needs to know in the moment so that they're not distracted from the story versus what can be like something that builds or grows over the course of the series. So that's that's sort of where my brain has been evolving. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to introduce some of the stars of the world to come. See you soon. Every artist fears that they might lose their craft, that booze replace the cheers. Maybe I'm being daft. This opportunity is too great to dismiss. It could be huge for me. But am I really up to this? All right, we're back with today's special guest from the cast of the show, M. Grossland, Justin Sargent, and Marissa Rosen. Let's give them a big round of applause. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello. Oh, my God. Goodness, what a treat. You all are fantastic in this whole series. And, and just to know, I don't know what happens. I'm listening as the audience listens, so I really don't know what's going on. But so far, it is so entirely entertaining and engrossing, and I can't wait to see what happens to these people in this world. This is a question for all of you. When you first got the materials to learn about it, what were your first impressions? I was so confused at first. I told Eric this. I was like, I wasn't sure if it was uh, in person, if it was a video, if it was live, whatever it was. 
But I was so excited. <laughs> As you listen to it, it's it's very clear this is something very special and and huge with epic proportions. Did did you get that sense as you were reading the materials first off? For sure. I I couldn't wait. I almost wanted to I was trying to visualize it. Yeah. But it was just I mean the brain of Eric and Rachel and Andy and everyone involved. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> so. Excellent. So, Em, hi. Hello. Hi. You play everyone's favorite Criterion raconteur, Teller Bastion, and your solo that starts episode two is what the kids might call quite a bop. Yes. You really sound fantastic in this poppy style. Is this Thank your you. go-to genre? Absolutely not, which Andy will attest to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am a musical theater nerd, and uh, thanks to Andy, I channeled uh, my best Billie Eilish that I could muster. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can hear that. I can hear that. But uh, no, it took some, uh, I mean, I've sung pop music before. It's certainly not the first time. But my go-to version of it at first was very musical theater. <laughs> Did you have a, a certain musical theater star in mind when you started and then it evolved into Billie Eilish? I don't know that I really did. I did a play or musical with Rachel and Eric years ago where I played sort of a comedic role. So I think at first I kind of was going in that direction until I realized that Bastion's actually like really cool and that character was a big nerd. I thought Hermes was awesome. Hermes was awesome, but Hermes was also a big old nerd and Hermes was more like <laughs> me because I'm a big old nerd. And so I really had to find the very small part of me that is cool <laughs> to to um, really muster Bastion into being. Well, I, I think you're cool. So it, oh, it thank came, you. You know, I learned, you're I learned wrong. <laughs> oh, stop it. Stop. Justin, hi. Hello. Hello. So uh, you play a very angsty young lieutenant, Lucas Sparrow. And Justin is one of the Broadway veterans in the cast. Do you think that this process you know, stacks up to Spider-Man? Or is it vastly different than uh, your experience in that kind of show? Oh, my goodness. Well, the stunts were a little more challenging here, I have to say. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, this, this was... This was a wholly unique experience for me. Everybody's trying to do what they can right now in this pandemic and trying to make art happen and we're all having to pivot. That, that seems to be the word of the year is pivot, you know? Um, and I, I, I can't help but think of that pivot from friends, but um, that's what we're all doing. And so we're all kind of, you know, having to learn on the fly and figure these things out as we go. And what's been amazing about this group from every corner of this project is that everybody has just been so willing and so gung-ho about this project. And I mean, I haven't heard any complaints. I'm sure that you, you, you guys have probably been hearing complaints from people, but I certainly haven't felt like I needed ever to complain about anything. I'm just always excited to record and to, you know, get into it. And I want to make sure that I'm doing the best job possible. And, and, you know, it's just so nice to be doing something that is so fulfilling right now. And so in comparison to Spider-Man, I would have to say that the only thing that I, I can use to compare the two is, is that it touches my geek heart very, very deeply, this show. <laughs> and, and I, and I, I've commended uh, these three, Rachel, Eric, and Andy, uh, you know, before about, about how, how much care that they're giving to the, the nerd world here. I mean, from from the characters that they've written to the music that Andy writes, I'm a massive film score nerd, and so I can hear the Hans Zimmer, and I can hear the John Williams, and I can hear the Randy Edelman, and I can hear the you know Howard Shore and the James Newton Howard, and it's just like, it's just it's so cool. It's just so much fun. Marissa Rosen, you. hello, Hi. Broadway's Marissa Rosen, hello, hello, hello. You play Overboss Danielle. She is no nonsense. She's reality TV obsessed. 
She's a party girl from the real island of Staten, real Isle of Staten. Marissa, how did you prepare for this role? I mean, I just kind of woke up. Like, that doesn't, that's kind of me. (laughs) 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 Kind of everything but the party girl, because I'm a secret grandma, like, full out. (laughs) Right. But I don't know. I have to be honest. When I'm not playing a child in theater, I'm normally playing some sort of outspoken Italian, Jewish, Brooklyn, Staten Island kind of character. But it was just all my dreams to get to heighten everyone I've grown up with. It is incredibly heightened because I, I know your work and I know you're, you know, you're amazing and you're very, very funny, uh, amazing comedian. But I had to look at the cast list to see who was playing Danielle because I didn't know it was you. Really? Who is this way out there, a, enormously talented person playing this character? And I was like, that's my Marissa Rosen. Oh, that's so nice. I feel like if I played it for my mom, she'd be like, oh, it's just you. <laughs> so did you base Danielle on anybody in your personal life? I don't know. Because she's, she's a little bit more outspoken or like a little bit more crass than you have, have ever been to <laughs> me, at least. She's probably like dream Marissa, like the Marissa that wants to be out in the open and outspoken. <laughs> I'm, I call myself like a super reserved person in a very public I, right. you know, in our lives, we're always seen, but I would love to just be in a corner and be like, no. So I think it was just like all my dreams. But I think Danielle at heart is just like all of us. She's probably grew up a little shy. She didn't have all the attention. So this is kind of a rebellion for her to get to this point. Right. So it's just like any kind of teenager that's like, I'm going to rebel to the fullest right. to see what happens. And for some <laughs> reason, they put her in charge. So it's not going away. <laughs> Did you come up with the whole backstory of how she became the overboss of the entire Isle of Staten? No, I have a terrible, my acting teachers would hate me. I did not do any kind of, <laughs> any kind of adjectives and verbs and dossiers. Who does she have to kill off to get the role? Exactly. You know? well, I would definitely have to think about that. Okay. She kind of just appeared to me and it makes sense. She kind of felt like one of those people that was like right place, right time. And they were like, hmm, you'll do. And it was the best, worst mistake they ever made. Oh, so. my God. The audience and you will one day find out. Exactly. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. So there's a question for the three of you about the development process. What was it like to develop these characters? Because they're, I think, incredibly well written, Eric. Thank you. But also they are extreme in their worlds and, you know, the worlds that they come from, from each of the five boroughs. Did your characters change much between the first table read and through the rehearsal process to the recording? Yeah, I think I had like a British accent at the beginning and I was like, you know what? This does not sound right at all. Like, I'm not doing, I'm not, and they're like, please don't do that. That's, you know. It's not this guy. <laughs> I feel like I started out with Bastion. They were more wide-eyed and innocent at first because that's just the kind of roles that I'm often cast in. And I realized very quickly, though, that there's another role in the show, Chip, that I really had to make sure I was differentiating Bastion from, which, I mean, Eric's writing brilliant and they're totally different characters. But I found myself realizing that I really needed to age Bastion up and make them a lot wiser Mm -hmm. than I was originally. So that was my main thing that changed for me. And then also getting the music. I realized that there was this grit in the music that I needed to make sure I brought into the book as well that really Mm -hmm. helped develop it. 
How about you, Marissa, in terms of the development? In a funny sense, I think the accent was the hardest because I think when we started, I didn't know where we were going, especially in the readings and things like that. I was like, you know, because Long Island, Staten Island, Jersey, they're all like slightly different. And in my head, they're monumentally different. So I couldn't remember what I did the last like from episode to episode sometimes. So I was like, all right, she's just got I just have to trust. But in a funny sense, these huge cartoon characters I think I personally had to be so careful to give her a lot of heart because mm-hmm. I think the hardest part about being a cartoon or a, a comedian just in general is yes you're out there and yes it's crazy and flighty but all these people come from a center of thinking that where they come from and who they are in charge of or leading are the most important people in their lives so right. I think keeping the heart was definitely the most important part for me I found that your character definitely had a lot of heart particularly in your huge wake up song where you're telling everybody <laughs> like you, she has great care to make sure that they wake up but also to like you know slap some sense because it's good for you oh yeah she's not mean but this is the way that she communicates and the way that she rules she's in charge but there's care behind all that so oh yeah she's like the bossy younger sister right she's like the younger sister that thinks she's in charge of all her older siblings kind of thing right showing her like maybe little stature but large personality (laughs) exactly exactly and I love how, you know, nobody gets up at the crack of dawn in the Isle of Staten. I feel them on that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the recording process. Justin, so I'll start with you. I heard stories that once upon a time on one of these sessions, you actually got into a baby's crib. Crib is a, that's a, that's a, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. I have a one-year-old little girl. And so, you know, we're, we're doing our best to quarantine when we can and to stay inside. And so when she naps in our 900 square foot two bedroom apartment, you know, you can hear her waking up or going, you know, when she's going down this kind of thing. And so Typically, I would record in my, in my bedroom closet, which was very nice, and you know the, the soundproofing was great, and all this kind of stuff in there. But every now and then, you know, it's, it, it's it's the walls attached to her room, and so every now and then I'd have to change locations. And she has this little—we have a little playpen area for her in the living room that has a little foam padding on the ground. And so I literally made a fort castle out of blankets and pillows and chairs. And there's her Elmo in the corner, and I'm like. You know, trying to, you know, talk about people who, who are like in, in leather with whips and chains and stuff. You know, it was, just, it was a very bizarre experience. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't a little tiny crib. It was more like a playpen. It was like a, yeah, it was a playpen. It was, okay. a, it was a good size. It was a good size. Okay. You know, I'm just glad there's no pictures uh, out there floating around. It was quite a sight. Uh, a little later on, uh, not in episode one or two, but uh, soon thereafter, there is a song. You have this incredible, powerful, like Broadway, ah, pop, like this huge note that you reach quite well. Oh, thank you. I was just imagining you like in this tiny crib, like, trying <laughs> to get the, the, the control to make your sound go like that. But I'm glad to know it was a little bit bigger than a crib. Holding on to a, uh, an Elmo and a, a bottle on one hand and the other. No, for that, you know, for that song, actually, it, that was actually a very challenging day because I ended up requesting if I could actually go to Andy to record that song because I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to self-recording. At least I didn't at that point. I've gotten a little better at it. We were very safe. We were very, you know, COVID safe about the whole situation. But man, that was the first day I had really sung more than, you know, a, a song or, or two in months and months and months. And, you know, it was a struggle. That, that day was was hard. It was hard. I was like, oh man, that's right. This thing, I have to, I have to, I have to really keep using this thing. Otherwise it goes. <laughs> hmm. That was a really great experience with, with Andy. And he's, he's, he was so patient and so willing to, you know, let me kind of play around. Did he create a playpen fort for you to sing in? 
he did. Yep. He, I, you know, okay, he, I, I had him order some stuff on Amazon. He, it was very, very well done. Uh, it, was, it was tasteful. It was very, very tasteful. I said no Elmos though, as long as there's no Elmos. Oh, you know? okay. <laughs> That's only a home thing. Okay, good. Yeah, like I like to keep my outside recording stuff more like Winnie the Pooh, and you know, Elmos is for Got home. Got it. That's for home. How about you, Em? What was your uh, recording lockdown studio like? I'm in a coat closet, which um, we we're talking about pivoting. And my partner and I both are in the theater and TV world. And so when everything shut down, one of the things we both decided to do was invest in making a home recording space. So I turned my entryway coat closet into a recording booth that basically only I fit in. (laughs) (laughs) What happened to all the coats? They are in the bedroom closet now. Okay. And all of our games are above my head in shelves. Are we all like board games kind of thing? Like you have yes, Yahtzee yeah. and Life and up there. Monopoly. Got- I do have Catan <laughs> up there. I do. And yeah. uh, yes, yes, Pandemic Legacy. If you haven't played oh. it, it's amazing. <laughs> Fitting. Fitting, it is. Too soon. Sorry. Uh, Marissa, how about you? What is your recording studio like? It's still weird. I was definitely displaced from the pandemic. I came to Long Island to be with my family. So there's a lot more space, but a lot less privacy. I know that sounds weird, but that's how it is. So I have had a couple of different setups. The one, I I can't create a permanent recording studio right now because it is not my personal home, but I have one in my home when I get to go back there officially. But right now I'm between a couple of what I called my golden girls pillows that are my mom's (laughs) pillows from her couch. And then we've got kind of the boyfriend pillow situation. You know, those like ones that go behind your back. The husband, I believe. Husband, boyfriend, whatever, whatever (laughs) you're into. (laughs) So kind of that with my microphone, definitely several ring lights, depending on which direction I'm coming from. I have those, what do you call them? Like from storms when there's a draft, I put them under every surface like that you put under your door to make sure no noise comes in. Sandbags? Kind of. The ones that are, but they're fabric. They're very decorative. Oh, okay. You probably okay. got them online. <laughs> so let's talk about memories. We created this not so long ago. This docuseries is about the first two episodes. So do you have any memories, favorite moments from those episodes? I mean, every time Marissa speaks or sings anything, <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard to not ruin takes by laughing because the character that you created is just brilliant i appreciate that and also watching her do them too just like watching her like (laughs) that's kind of entertainment in itself and i I didn't really i didn't really have much to do in the first two episodes so 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 i can kind of sit and watch everybody and she was just like going for it and it was awesome oh see i have italian hands without being italian like i talk (laughs) that was what i remembered but that's so nice see my favorite and this is probably overall and i mentioned this my favorite part was our listening party our first listening party because you've heard we've recorded this in so many different pieces and parts and you know I don't get to to see you know Justin and M every single time I sign on because we do different uh, scenes at different times so just having everyone there listening to what we created for the first time was just I don't know I got very emotional and very excited that this was something that actually happened in the middle of a time that was so difficult for so many people. I was actually very surprised that the first listening party too was like I was like let's see how this goes you know like I was like there's no way there's no way they pulled this off there's, there's no way and then I was like wow that was, I am gonna eat my foot. So good. The magic that the sound team created to make it all sound like we're in the same space was the thing that I was blown away by at that listening party. Yeah, 
they they're truly extraordinary what what everybody on team sound has been able to do i can't believe it every time i hear a new cut of something i'm just like oh my gosh you guys so not only is each episode entirely underscored but there are sound effects that have been added are you ever amazed by some of the sound effects that your characters create yeah there's like there's a moment where i have to hop on a schwinn and like you know pedal it away from a scene and i was like oh there it is there's there's i can see it i, I can see it because i can hear it Mike, I mean, he's a genius. He's incredible. All that transition music that I had never heard that Andy and Eric created, and it takes us from world to world, that I guess is the sound of it. It was so funny. We were just laughing at music. (laughs) It was just like, guys, there's no talking. There's no nothing. It's brilliant. Em, how about you? There's this moment, and I actually don't remember exactly where it is, where you can hear, I think it's Bastion walking across the floor, entering (laughs) a room, and you just like, click, 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 click. and there's something about it just made me giggle i don't it made me see them like very clearly who they are yeah one one of my favorite sound effects is rodrigo running away and then running back in his little tiny heels on his little tiny boots that he's wearing (laughs) and it's so fast oh even and the clank of sir cyborg's you know like plastic cosplay cyborg uniform i was like oh my god that's genius that's it's amazing (laughs) Yeah. Just going to say it one more time. Sean Haggerty is our sound designer and ah, Mike Luno yes. is our audio producer. And the two of them are just all stars, all stars of the universe. Does anybody have any plugs that they'd like to have for any projects that they're, uh, you want to plug anything you're doing? I'll plug something real quick if you don't mind. So, I, so two weeks after we were shut down, I was supposed to start rehearsals for a new musical coming to New York called Super You. It's fantastic. It's all about you know empowering young women, and the music is available. There's a demo album on Spotify right now. It's called Super You, a new musical. It is so badass. It is so much fun. Mm. So definitely check that out. One of my favorite people is in that. Besides you, someone I went to graduate school with, Levon is. Amazing. Oh my gosh, she's and she's amazing. Ah. Uh. Love her. Do you know about the show, Hugh? Do you know like the, what it's about a little bit? A little bit. When it had a different name, I was talking with the producers to be the marketing director. This is like 11 years ago. Yeah. It's changed a lot, too. Yeah. And then you guys got involved in like amazing. Yes. So I, I can't wait to see it. I've, I've seen a little bit, but it's it's really good. It's so good. Comic books, rock and roll music, like female empowerment. It's badass. Get yeah. into it. It yeah. was really good. I saw the industry reading. <laughs> and then you did a concert. Were you in the concert in a drive-in on the back of uh, like pickup trucks? Were you in that concert? Uh, no, I was there. I was there to support, but no. But but I, I witnessed it. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I saw pictures of that. Em, do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, uh, sure. I just finished filming a Christmas movie called Estella. It's a play on A Christmas Carol, and we recorded the entire thing individually on green screen, and then they like are superimposing all of us together. And I hear that recording of that might be coming out in the future on Broadway Records, perhaps. News to me. Well, maybe. Well, I, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> the release of it, probably will get the, the press release out soon. If it, if it isn't, maybe it isn't. I don't want to spoil anything. I know that there's a soundtrack coming out, so that would make sense that it would, okay. yes. 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 <laughs> it's on my pipeline of things that, are, that I have to write a press release on. <laughs> <laughs> in the future. Uh, Marissa, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, sure. This isn't actually announced yet, but um, a mutual friend of ours, myself and Marty Thomas, <sighs> singer extraordinaire, we are putting out a Christmas holiday album that we have recorded remotely as well, and it will be released December 1st. Yeah, what's it called? Yay. On the socials. It's called the award-winning holiday album. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, look out for <laughs> annoying social media posts because I will be doing them. And everybody should follow our wonderful actors because they're fantastic and they're going to have a lot to say and a lot of other projects that you want to learn about. I actually have a plug this time. Uh-huh. So I had another voice acting gig on Don't Sue Us, Please, the superhero podcast. I play several roles with several accents. Both of my episodes, which are the miniseries, The Question Sins Remembered, have already been released. So those are available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Perhaps this very app you're using at the moment. Remind us of the name of it again. Say it again. Don't Sue Us, Please, the superhero podcast. Don't Sue Us, Please. I will favorite that right away. That's Kelly's podcast, Kelly right? Johnston's. Kelly Johnston. Kelly yeah. Johnston. He's a good friend of mine. Good guy. Fabulous director. It's all within the DC universe. <laughs> oh, Ooh. but it's obviously unauthorized, and hence the title. <laughs> Don't sue us, please. <laughs> that is all the time that we have for you today. But join us next time when we take an in-depth look into episodes three and four. Please follow the world to come on social, on Instagram and Twitter. You can find them at w two the number c musical w2c musical and on facebook facebook.com slash w2c musical if you'd like to help support the project and these wonderful artists who do this all as a labor of love please subscribe to our patreon page at patreon.com slash w2c musical and to find out more about the cast the crew and the creative team please visit the world to come I have something that I would like to plug. We all have been a little bit sad that Broadway is closed and possibly won't come back until the summertime, but we have the world to come to help keep us alive until then. At Broadway Records, which I uh, am the marketing director, we're taking a more sunny side, sunny view of this, and that Broadway will be back and that day will come. So let's look forward to that day because that day is going to be very special. So in that light, we have created a Broadway Dream Vacation Sweepstakes where you can enter to win. It's no uh, it's no purchase necessary. You can enter to win a week-long Dream Vacation Uh, of a lifetime, where you're flown to New York, you stay for a week at the Intercontinental Times Square New York Hotel, you go see seven Broadway shows, you go on shopping sprees, for instance, you go to F.A.O. Schwartz and go on a private pre-opening tour with a toy soldier and then go on a shopping spree, shopping spree at the shops at Hudson Yard, at Hershey's Chocolate World, you go on amazing trips and have great experiences at attractions like The Edge, where you have champagne at the top and a photo album. You go to the Empire State Building. You go to The Vessel with great you know, great access there. You dine at some amazing restaurants um, all around the city at the city's top restaurants. And you have gift baskets galore. It's all free to enter. You go to sweet, uh, broadwaysweepstakes.com. That's broadwaysweepstakes.com. Uh, and you can enter to win. That's all the time we have for you today. I am Hugh Heisel, and this has been The World Behind the World to Come. See you next time. We're every random fandom that you take for granted has grown